0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com.
1: Murray quarterback run to the left he's in the 20 to the 15 to the 10 Murray's gonna score touchdown
0: welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report
1: slam to the ground by Buda Baker like a torpedo he came flying into the backfield Connor to the 10 to the 5 and into the end zone for the touchdown
0: the Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals podcast visit azcardinals.com slash podcast
1: here we go one-handed catch and a touchdown Oh, baby! How's that feel?
0: Here's Craig Grealou
2: and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. To paraphrase head coach Cliff Kingsbury, things are very fluid on this day. Tuesday, decision day. Yes, we are live at the moment here at 11 o'clock on a Tuesday. What we don't know is what is going to happen two hours from now, 1 p.m., Across the league, all teams must be down to 53 players. And I say fluid because we've had a chance to hear from the head coach already today, Drew. And there was a practice earlier this morning. Not a lot of players. Certainly not 53 players. It was more like as many players that played on Saturday against the Tennessee Titans. There are just over 40 players on the practice field. Some may or may not be with this team this time tomorrow. And I can only imagine as a former player yourself what this day is like when maybe you have a spot, maybe you don't, maybe you don't have a spot now, but tomorrow you will on the practice squad, or maybe your career is just done.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, this is uh, an ugly day in the NFL, but it's a necessity, and you know that when you sign up for it. It's unfortunate uh, because you start to create bonds. You've been through a whole entire training camp, and you know the guys you feel bad for are the guys that have put in so much blood, sweat, and tears, uh, the vast majority of us could have predicted 46 of the 53 that'll be on this roster going into it but it's the bottom end of that roster it's the guys that make the initial 53 and all of a sudden get axed at the very end there or or i mean all of the roster manipulation that will go on from now or, or even started a couple of days ago up until that first game because of guaranteed contracts for players and uh, you know as soon as you make the opening day roster all of this stuff it, it's the hardest part of this business uh but again, when you sign up for it, you realize what you're putting yourself in, and you try to make the most of it. And this team is far from being set. You know, the trickle down effect of some of these guys getting released on other teams versus here, you know, you start weighing your options. You look at a position of strength. Can you strengthen that? You know, where obviously can they get better? Cornerback is one that everybody has circled, uh, and then a veteran guy like Devon Kennard that you don't think is going to go anywhere. Uh, they create space there, so you start to see it you know mixed and matched and pieced together and it's taking shape but it's a long long way from being over
2: canard according to reports has been released officially the arizona cardinals have only released three players and that was on monday cornerback josh jackson offensive lineman Cota martin and linebacker joe walker we'll see what happens again between now and 1 p.m i'll say this as far as among the players not so much on the bubble but players that we certainly have talked about this entire preseason this entire offseason that were on the field namely andy isabella And I know you were in Tennessee on Saturday and watched that performance. And it is very hard for me, even right now, to see Andy Isabella not being on this 53-man roster, even though when you look at the depth at wide receiver, maybe there's not quite a role for him at the moment.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, he definitely has earned a spot. He has taken it and and made the most of his opportunity. But Greg Dorch has as well, right? How do you fit those guys in? Sometimes you get disillusioned by the fact of they're playing these games in preseason. You get three games. You see them with regularity. When the season starts, you know where they are in the pecking order matters. Does he even get dressed on game day? Does he have an opportunity to do that? Uh, you know, it, it takes times sometimes for young guys to be able to get comfortable to understand, especially at the wide receiver position, to be able to do that to be able to understand all that goes into it. Sometimes it takes multiple years, and you're seeing that right now. And I know Andy Isabella has seen... Got to have gone through an extreme transformation from what we've seen in the past from him, and it all has to do with confidence. He is a confident player now. You listen to that post game interview, and it was like, wow, okay, he truly believes what he's saying. Where I don't know that you could say that about him in the past.
2: Let's hear from Andy Isabella again. This is post game after a five catch, 115 yard performance. You and Paul Calvici speaking with Andy Isabella, and initially, Isabella asked about perhaps being overlooked in that wide receiver room? I
4: mean, I think I was overlooked. I think they turned their back on me. Um, but I overcame again. And I think that's maybe why I operate best. I've been overlooked my whole life, uh, coming out of UMass and Mayfield, everything. Um, and that motivates me. And um, But I know my purpose that God gives me is to inspire these kids to look up to me and my family. And um, so when I go out there, I really remember that. And that motivates me to go hard every play, even when I'm tired, even when I don't want to show up. I know I have a greater purpose
2: you hear what we heard on Saturday, and that confidence. I even heard some anger oh, in that voice. <laughs> and, and yes. The intensity. He, he he had not left the football field, proverbially speaking. That he I don't even know, but it's it sounded like he was still in full uniform,
3: pads, eye black, helmet, talking to you and Paul Saturday. Locked in. I mean, that's what it sounded like from his very initial response to Paul. It was so matter of fact, and, and again. You're not a confident player unless you can do what he did by saying, I've been overlooked, I've been disregarded, all of those things. Because now at this point, he doesn't care who hears it. He doesn't care if this soundbite gets out to Steve Kime. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting place to be in but that's where he's at. And you hear about that chip on his shoulder. And, you know, what made him as good as he was when he was at UMass, when he was at Mayfield High School in Ohio, was the fact that he was overlooked. Well, when you're a second-round pick, you're not overlooked. Your level of expectation is high. So all of a sudden you get placed in a prominent role and you've got to perform and you don't, that chip comes back. That opportunity to seize the moment comes back. You just like to see a guy like that keep that no matter what. It can't be the ebbs and flows of, okay, well, now that I'm actually playing again, where do you draw your motivation from? And like he said, his greater purpose is all of those things of the young kids that look up to him, the people around him, the support system, which is so important that a lot of us you know, on the outside looking in don't see that on a daily basis. Uh, But he's drawn that strength from numerous places, and it's paying dividends for him.
2: Thoroughly impressed by what Isabella did this preseason, even going into the practices, whether at State Farm Stadium or or even with the joint practice with the Tennessee Titans. the other wide receiver in that room that certainly impressed you brought it up drew Greg Dortch, who on Saturday night six catches, 64 yards and a touchdown Isabella postgame Saturday asked about what he and Dortch showed this camp.
4: Are we willing to stay in the fight when it gets tough? Um, when it gets practice it gets tough when the days get tough Me and Greg we still there. I think that's going to go a long way just in football life and whatever when it going gets tough sure we do not back down we do not get back up and keep going.
2: And those two wide receivers, two people, two players that head coach Cliff Kingsbury has talked a lot about, and he did again
4: on Saturday. Yeah, I can't tell you how much respect I have for those two guys. The way they attack camp, I mean, you're talking did not miss one day of practice, uh, not one rep of practice. You see how fast they run each and every snap. They've played every preseason game, every play, and uh, the production was great. It's what we've seen all camp. I mean, Andy's been running by people, and George's been making big catches and couldn't be more impressed by how they attacked camp, knowing, hey, it's a really deep room, but they didn't blink. They they attacked it and have really, you know, made these decisions really tough on us.
2: Should also mention, Drew, that... Greg Dorch was spotted at practice during the open portion. Rondell Moore and, well, Rondell Moore was walking off the field as we, the media, walked onto the field. Antoine Wesley was working out on the side. A.J. Green, who's been bothered by a foot injury, was going through position drills. So, depending on what's going on with Wesley and Rondell Moore, now all of a sudden maybe there is a need for six wide receivers. That health all of a sudden becomes a question in the short term IR. You make the initial 53, and then the day after, you're placed on short-term IR, meaning you're missing the first four games of the regular season.
3: Yeah, I mean, you look at that room, there's so much depth there. When you walk in at the beginning of training camp, and you see there's only, only so many chairs left in that room of knowing who the top four essentially are going to be, and then there's that you know vast number of guys that are sitting there, and you start looking around, Greg Dortch and Andy Isabella did a tremendous job of not looking around. They put their head down, they went to work, and for the head coach to be able to call them out, and again, you can't make the club when you're in the tub, right? That's the old saying that has been around for ages. I don't even know who coined it, but if you're hurt, and you're not out there making plays, somebody else is. And that somebody else was Greg Dortch. That somebody else was Andy Isabella. So how it, it uh, sorts itself out, those guys, again, went out and earned a spot, especially Greg Dortch. To me, he is more of a lock than Andy Isabella from you know, what he does on special teams of actually being active on game day, being able to plug and play him on the inside. He, he did a very nice job of identifying coverage, of winning his one-on-one matchups. Uh, interestingly enough, when Cliff talked about that, Time and time again, you saw Andy Isabella running by corners. I mean, multiple times on go routes he is, has a yard or two of separation, which is extremely wide open in the NFL. Now it never came to fruition and actually, you know, I, I believe in the first game there was a penalty. But other than that, he had the opportunity if the ball was out there, it's just that's how fast he's moving, and Kyler Murray's not missing those throws. Colt McCoy not missing those throws. They will put him out there, and that has to get the coaches excited about being able to have somebody getting as much speed on the field as possible.
2: As well as the number of catches and receiving yards, the penalties that Isabella drew as far as defensive pass interference, that accounts... Doesn't show up in the stat sheet, but that accounts as far as being able to move the put football from point A to point B. As we again get closer and closer to 1 p.m., 53 players make this team. Getting to 53 is tough, according
4: to the head coach. There's a bunch. I mean, there's some deep rooms. There's some guys we would hate to, to see on other teams, just with potential on how they played in this camp. And so um, it's a good problem to have, but we, we got to try and make the right decision and do what's best for the organization. And part
2: of those decisions, perhaps, at the quarterback room, because during the open portion of practice, only Kyler Murray and Colt McCoy seen working out, meaning Trace McSorley and Jared Garantano. What is their futures? McSorley, I thought, looked good this entire preseason. Kingsbury's been on record, Drew, by saying he wants to keep or wanted to keep three quarterbacks yet at the same time is that a luxury when at another position based off of injuries and health concerns that you might need to go heavy at that position and lighter at another
3: yeah i mean you try to offset it but being an offensive head coach there will Will be three quarterbacks on this roster now, if it's trace mcSorley if they bring him back again, there's so much roster manipulation that goes on, but that's such a an area of concern it's a position that is a premium within any offense, but especially this one and they made that move in season last year to go get trace now. We don't know the inner workings of that room. If they were happy with the way everything went down, if he was operating within the confines of each play, all of that. So it's too hard to tell. Uh, Ian Rappaport said that he did get cut, but who knows if Ian's actually accurate or not. We don't know. But uh, So at that point in time, there will be a carousel. Um, Can you get him back to the practice squad and keep him there and elevate him if you need to? It's just, again there's so many unknowns at this point in time and we're just sitting there reading and waiting for the waiver wire for something to pop up all out of speculation. Uh, but if there is a younger guy that they're more interested in, because he's going to be the third, you you can go out and get him. We're going to see quarterbacks hit the street, and some people's identity of what they want to do or or how they want to operate within that given organization, they might only keep two. It's a bad trend. It really truly is because if you look at the teams, even if uh, you know your starter gets hurt for a short period of time, uh, let alone a long period of time, then it makes it easier transition. But a short period of time, then that kid that kid gets elevated to the backup role. I mean, look at Phillip Walker. He went from being the fourth string to now he's the backup because of two injuries in a matter of a week. And you better be ready to go and play because as a backup, if you don't make the most of that opportunity, when you get a chance, you'll be on the outside looking in and get cut.
2: And adding to the speculation, we have not seen Colt McCoy throw 11 on oh, 11. He's fine. He's good. You said that on Saturday. I Kingsbury post game Saturday said, yeah, I expect him talking about Colt McCoy to be full go. Not this week, but next week. Game week. Yeah, he's ready to go. He's a veteran, man. It'll Drew Stanton reporting. No. well, quote, I'm, I'm he's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting started here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Seeky. Your tickets to great seats. Episode 38 of the Dave Patch Podcast featuring Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney is available now to catch up on past episodes. Follow the Dave Patch Podcast via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at Hash Pod. As we continue here on this Tuesday, Decision Day, we'll discuss. That linebacker room, and what the loss of Devon Kennard reportedly means for this team. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Sweep to Agnew near side and he gets clocked at the 25. What a vicious tackle by Devon Kennard. Snap to Rogers. He keeps rolls right, throws the ball, batted in the air, and incomplete. Incomplete. It was Kennard who had a hand on it. Slam to the ground at the 20-yard line for a sack. Devon Kennard hands it off straight ahead to Mostert. He is short. It was Devon Kennard who had the hit. Lawrence takes Give to Robinson running right. Met by Kennard, who got off a block and
2: stuffed the play. Well, from what we know, and even from Devon Kennard's own social media accounts... Devon Kennard will not be in Arizona Cardinal this season. According to reports, he has been released, or he has been told that he will be among the players released by 1 p.m. here on this Tuesday as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Siki. Your ticket to great seats. Obviously, someone locally that had a presence and someone that this Cardinals team drew was high on when they signed him to that three-year contract a couple of years back. But you look... At at the rest of the players as far as edge rushers, seven, probably not gonna keep seven. And sometimes teams look and go, All right, do you go younger? Do you go cheaper? And perhaps the Cardinals looked at edge rushers, and it's a position rushing the quarterback that Kennard had not done well or asked to do the previous two seasons. And you look at what Victor DiMuchegi was able to do this preseason and then drafting three edge rushers back in April. That kind of spelled the end, reportedly, for Kennard.
3: Yeah, it's unfortunate, especially a local guy and a guy that's done everything right throughout the course of his career. Uh, But again, that's the nature of this beast, unfortunately, too, is the fact that he got the heads up and he didn't have to come out to practice, at least, or any of that stuff. I mean, that's the the misfortune of some of these guys are going to have. You need bodies to be able to go out and practice. Some of these guys, unfortunately, are not going to be on this roster come next week. That's just how it goes. Uh, And saying that, uh, I think you see... It might not even be necessarily an indictment on Devon Kennard. It's more of hey, we feel really good about the younger guys that we have coming up. And yes, salary cap, all that stuff is taken into consideration. But through three draft picks, through some of these younger guys that are more role players, again, Devon's strength has been against the run because he has not rushed the passer or uh, as much as they would have liked or had hoped uh so you can mix and match guys and again it's a collective whole it's a unit that you can make that that scheme as good as it can be and so by getting younger by getting cheaper and doing that by using your draft capital and putting it out on the field getting a better awareness of okay like let's let my jay sanders get after the quarterback you know like let's let all of these guys and see what they can do i mean they must feel very good with dennis gardak coming back and his health at that point to be able to let him go and and again it becomes a numbers game at every position on top of being in a numbers game for the entire roster. Well,
2: you look at two of those three draft picks, Cameron Thomas and MyJ Sanders, what they did Saturday, finally flashing in a game setting. Thomas, four tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks, four quarterback hits. MyJ Sanders, a half sack, two quarterback hits, drew two holding calls by my estimation. So you see that in a game setting versus in practice, and then all of a sudden it makes decisions maybe a little bit easier or based off of maybe that decision had already made and it's just further... Amplifies. Okay, this is the direction we want to go.
3: Yeah, and the added dimension of playing special teams, right? Does my J. Sanders play? It? Does Cam Thomas play? It? And if you really could make the perfect player, you'd put both those guys together because, as we knew, Cam Thomas was really good against the run, being an interior guy. My J. Sanders, more of a pass rush guy. And you can get the best of both worlds for far cheaper. And divide those two things up, and then a guy like Devon Kennard, if you're getting that special teams utility, and like you said, the coaches were waiting for both of those guys to have those kind of opportunities to go out there and play and you can't do that if they're buried on the depth chart you can't do that if you're giving these reps away to somebody else so uh reps are precious at this point in time moving forward and what they can do with those and it will sort itself out based off production but if they can do that on Sundays when the lights come on and it counts they will be out there far more than uh, we would have anticipated early on
2: biggest question in that room remains Marcus Golden he was not out during the open portion on Tuesday, he has not practiced since August 1st. It's not game week, so I'm not quite concerned just yet. But your number one pass rusher hasn't been on a
3: football field in
2: almost a month's time. Is he going to be ready week one?
3: Is that a hold in? Is that what people are calling him now? Not hold outs because they're here. Correct. So the the fra- did you come up with that phrase I did That's not like, oh, okay.
2: come up with that phrase but it is a nice one that players and media members have used look, officially though what we've been told is he's dealing with a toe issue
3: uh, okay well toes are tricky um, hopefully it gets better and he's doing that because you need to be able to rush the passer look I, I was teammates with Marcus I know what he brings to the table the mentality that he had last year you know getting to double digit sacks and doing all these things the 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 conundrum is well, you signed a three year deal, and so when you do that, you should you know you've got to be able to live up to the life of that contract, but we've also seen the tables and the scales kind of turn in players' favors of if they put up a big enough stink if you're going to be able to just throw them a little bit more money if that's what about I don't know that um that's not breaking news, so please don't <laughs> report that uh so in saying that, hopefully Marcus will be back, hopefully his toe's taken care of but a month away from not doing everything. Uh, Yes, he is a high motor guy, high energy guy, uh, but reps and conditioning and all of those things uh, they play into it and if you haven't been out there even with your guys and the scheme of this defense of how it's going to change and adapt uh, you know it's a little concerning but it's it's too early to hit the panic button.
2: Still got almost two weeks before that first game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Staying talking about linebackers but moving to inside linebackers. Zayven Collins you talk about young players like a Cameron Thomas and J. Sanders flashing on game nights. Zayven Collins had some flash plays on Saturday. Now is it enough Again, the expectations when you're a first-round draft pick, you should be dominating backups and third-team players in the preseason. It's been a kind of an up-and-down preseason for Zayvon Collins in terms of plays being made. Still leading with the shoulder, which is probably why he hurt that shoulder a year ago, Week 8, I believe, and then not being able to get off blocks as cleanly as this team probably wants him to.
3: Yeah, well, I think... Again, he's a young guy that needs reps and and having the opportunity to get out there. What you see on paper is amazing, right? What you see on paper is everything you want for a guy to be able to go out and do Now he's got to transition to getting the reps getting the understanding not thinking so much just reacting and you saw a little bit of that That gives you some hope. It gives you reason for optimism of him coming downhill I mean he is a first and second down linebacker right now in my opinion a guy that needs to come downhill He needs to stop the run because this is a run first league that we're in here in the NFC West You've got to be able to stop the run and when you can do that any team that you're playing against it makes them more one-dimensional that's why you got him again a first round pick later at that point in time you can take a little bit of a chance or a risk or say okay you know we're hoping that the people around him if he takes some more time to develop to become that you know the green sticker guy that's making the calls it's making the adjustments because there's a lot of moving pieces people don't understand what that means especially when there's shifts and motions and personnel changes and setting up fronts and and blitzes and coverages, well, everything stems and flows through them. you know. And, and I think being able to have a guy that can do that, it's going to take some time. So patience, even though nobody has it anymore in the NFL, and, and you don't need it because of the rookie wage scale, he just needs a little bit more time. And Maybe and hopefully in a year or two from now, we look back and say, okay, he just needed that little bit of time, like an Andy Isabella, to make that transition, to flip that switch, and to go play more to their capability level than maybe they are right now.
2: What I have liked is, compared to last year, how well Zavin is in coverage, whether it's a running back Tight in especially in space that is an area in which I think he's improved leaps and bounds let's hear from the head coach on his inside linebacker Cliff Kingsbury talking about Zabin Collins
4: you know it'll be a work in progress going into a second year but he's gotten better and better and the read and react is, is by far where I've seen the biggest improvement uh, last year I thought it was wait and let it come to you and now he's seeing things he's just triggering and he's, he's going to tackle the ball and Uh, We know he's got the physical traits to be a special player in this league, and he's just got to continue to get the reps and put in the work.
2: So that's the latest on Zayvon Collins. We heard from Isaiah Simmons earlier on Tuesday, and you bring up the green dot. According to Isaiah, he will have the green dot this season, or at least ahead of week one. He's been working with it throughout training camp, or at least the latter half, meaning that speaker's in his helmet, and all of a sudden, whatever Vance Joseph tells him, he needs to make sure he relays to everyone else on
3: the field. Well, it makes sense, right? A guy that's going to be out there for three downs, and you want to make sure that they're hearing a very similar voice, that the communication from coach to player to the rest of the the defense, again, communication is so imperative, and Vance is somewhat tricky in how they go about things, how they do things, and, and they're very successful at it. And it takes one guy being out of position or not hitting the blitz correctly or not getting the coverage call that a lot of problems can stem from there. So a guy that you know is going to be out there for all three downs that is you know, one of your best players on defense that can lead all that things. I think it puts more on his plate leadership wise too. Guys will look to him. And it also makes you know everything in and out and you've got to be able to be on top of all of it and uh, you know, it will hopefully alleviate some of that for Zayvon allow him to go play without having to think so much.
2: Well and considering how many different positions that we expect Isaiah to play this season being in a number of different position rooms does make sense but you want someone with that green dot that's going to be on the field for every single down. Jalen Thompson earlier in training can't mention that he had the speaker in his helmet and they probably have a number of different players that can can do it, but you want to make sure whatever level of the defense, it's someone that is not coming off the football field.
3: Yeah, exactly. But I think that mid-tier guy is what you need. You need somebody that's going to play the second level so that when he's up there, he can relay that to the defensive line. If he turns around and it's hand signals, and then from there, those safeties do such a good job of relaying the call to the outside of the corners, especially as adjustments need to be made. But there's a lot of sophistication in it and there's different things to it. And it's a, that's a week-to-week type of thing as well. Uh, that is a comfort level in being able to do it. If Isaiah can do it, then I'm sure he'll do it for the duration of the season.
2: Simmons mentioned that this is the first time he's done calling the defense in terms of verbally before it's all been hand signals and he's been told by Vance whatever I say you must repeat to everyone else and he <laughs> joked that sometimes Vance can speak a lot and he I gotta say all of this so yeah, yeah it's <laughs> oh yeah not going to be easy but Isaiah Simmons sounds like he's up for the challenge and this challenge week one perhaps maybe has him opposite Travis Kelsey week one against the Kansas City Chiefs so add that to his plate as well we have hit halftime here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Eat your ticket to great seats. As we continue here, we'll stay on the defense. And again, cornerback, what does this team do? They need to make a move or moves ahead of next week. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Byron Murphy interception. Okay, so why don't we start that? as Robert Downey Jr.
0: It's a fake handoff. Rolling right is Stafford, throwing a deep ball far side for Deshaun Jackson, and it's picked off
1: inside the 15-yard line. Al Pacino. It, it's Byron Murphy. He's tackled around the 12. Byron Murphy, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week We had two picks last week, gets one here on Stafford in the first quarter. Okay, so now this is Wolf talking, so do it first as Wolf. Byron Murphy baited Matthew Stafford to throw that ball and then broke on the ball. What an unbelievable play from Byron Murphy and slowly starting to turn into Jesse the body Ventura. Baited Matthew Stafford to throw it. All right. And then I have one line after that. Let's do that line of Shaq. Man, Murphy's playing like a pro bowler. The first month of the season.
2: Again, it is the gift that keeps on giving. Frank Caliendo on one of the early Dave Pash podcast episodes doing his voice impersonations and Byron Murphy and the Cardinals certainly that week 4 game in Los Angeles big win propelled the Cardinals to that 7-0 start 10-2 overall then we know how the season ended but as we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek your ticket to great seats Craig Riolu and Drew Stanton we got to talk about the cornerback and perhaps lack of depth in that room we know Byron Murphy. We know Marco Wilson although we know what the head coach feels about Murphy or Wilson based off of his comments in training camp although earlier on Tuesday Cliff did mention that Marco and Byron had good camps. Question is after that what does this team do given the unexpected situation and that's what Cliff mentioned Saturday with Antonio Hamilton. There's not much there ahead of week one and the Kansas City Chiefs.
3: Yeah, well, I think that I mean, from what I saw personally uh, from the eye in the sky, I really liked Christian Matthew a lot. I thought he had a, a good camp. Maybe it's trial by fire. There's also all these other people that are going to be exposed to waiver wires that uh, that you could feel good about. There's still opportunity for trade. We're seeing some of these bottom end roster guys that are starting to get traded. That you know, again, it's a position of strength in the running back room. Do we see one of those guys move? Um, what does that look like? Uh, maybe wide receiver, you know, if somebody wants to, to get Andy Isabella. Who knows? Uh, that's all going on behind the scenes. But I would imagine that they have an idea, they have a plan uh – uh, or maybe they just didn't feel like no matter what happened that they wanted to keep moving fo- forward with a couple of these veterans. So uh, a continually a work in progress, but playing that position, getting those calls, especially for a veteran guy, it will not be hard to pu- uh, to plug and play at that position.
2: Josh Jackson has already been released. According to reports, Jace Whitaker has been released. So that leaves just four in the room right now, including Christian Matthew, their seventh-round draft pick, who has great size, great length at two just not a lot of big game experience coming out of Valdosta State but it is a player that this coaching staff was hoping would be available with one of those day three picks and maybe they've seen enough of him at least initially through the first couple of games All right, to your point baptism by fire, roll the I see what's, what's what he can do.
3: Yeah, he piqued my interest in that first game alone, I mean with some of the PBUs that he had, being in position just the patience, and I think that you look at a guy, he either has that or he doesn't at that position when the ball's in the air, does he look like a baby giraffe flailing around, or is he calm and collective and understand what's going on? He did a really good job of working within the framework of the coverage when it was man and understanding where his help is all of these things that for a young guy, and just because he went to Valdosta the state who cares when you get him out there does he look like he belongs he obviously looks the part but he played the part in my opinion throughout the course of preseason I thought he had a fantastic preseason and as somebody that had to go against different corners and some guys some of these unknown guys eventually you got to make a name for yourself you've got to be able to do that and go out there and answer the bell when your number is called and uh, there's extreme reason for optimism in my opinion for him because he has all of those measurables but then when you put it on the field it appears like he's playing within the framework of the defense And he's playing with a confidence and patience that you need for somebody in that position.
2: Matthew, 25, turns 26 in late October. In fact, he's older than both Byron Murphy and Marco Wilson, though those two have more game experience, if you will, at the NFL level. Yeah, well, wise
3: beyond his (laughs)
2: playing years. Question, though, still is what's going on with Antonio Hamilton? Here is head coach Cliff Kingsbury.
4: We got to see what's what's out there, I think. Um, Ham... That was an unexpected uh, situation and, um, you know, made, makes the numbers look really thin looking at week one possibly. So uh, we'll see how everything plays out over the next couple of days and, and, and I'm sure we will be looking heavily to see what's out there. That
2: was the head coach on Saturday. Here is the head coach earlier on Tuesday asked about Hamilton, who was playing very, very well and was in line to be
4: one of those starting cornerbacks week one disappointing for him just the journey that he's had and how he's worked and and the level that he was playing at you you hate to see that you hope he can uh stay involved and and come back and not miss a beat but yeah i think more than anything it's disappointing for him just because he had earned a starting role at, at that position after uh basically bouncing around a bunch of teams and um so hopefully he's back sooner than later but we'll see
2: Still don't know definitively as far as the availability of week one, but certainly sounds like a big question mark. So that's Byron Murphy, Marco Wilson, and Christian Matthew of known cornerbacks in that room. Obviously, this team is going to make a move, whether it's claiming a player or acquiring a player via trade. Now, when you talk about secondary, you also have to include the safety position, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson, both capable of covering receivers in the slot. Isaiah Simmons, all he's done this entire offseason is work with the safety position. How much do we see him cover a wide receiver, a running back, or a tight end? There are a number of options, but you just focus on that as opposed to, okay, well, whether this team needs to do something. Yeah, we know this team needs to do something, but don't forget about those guys
3: that play safety. Yeah, well, and too, they want to put Byron on the inside. They feel good about putting him there. So if you feel confident with what Christian can do on the outside, let somebody get acclimated. You know, we don't know how long Antonio Hamilton will be out. But again, maybe this is exactly what Marco Wilson needed. He needed the opportunity to say, "Okay, well, you're not the starter. You've been gifted this, but you don't have to give it up. You can go out here and you can earn it because again, he has all of the measurables. He's played at a high level. He's done everything you would want but mentally something's not firing. They've tried to send a message to him through the media. They've tried to indirectly motivate this kid. I mean there is some kind of reason of why he would fall to the fourth round, but there's also a reason why the Cardinals jumped up to get him in the fourth round. He has the talent. Talent is not the issue for him. He's got to be able to go out and find ways to be motivated to be able to do this and play at a level of consistency that we know he's capable of doing, and maybe this is just the opportunity he needed. So, you know, again, I'm optimistic that he'll seize that, and then from there, you kind of piece it together. You go add a veteran to the mix. You are able to do that, and you've got an area that you were very concerned about you could be pleasantly surprised come week two or three with the depth you have there with the guys playing at that level and and if you're not then you do pivot you go okay let's move buddha down here maybe isaiah is covering some of these guys but again week one it's it's going to be interesting to see how they try to stop a kansas city chiefs offense that will be coming in firing on all cylinders with a lot to prove and
2: remember when we talk about marco wilson a year ago He rose up the depth chart. He was not gifted anything. He earned that starting spot a year ago, and maybe he did come in this season feeling that it was his spot, and now all of a sudden he doesn't have it anymore to where maybe that is a little bit extra motivation for him now.
3: Yeah, that's a good wake-up call.
2: Certainly something to keep an eye on with respects to what this team does at the corner position because there is certainly a lack of numbers when you talk about what this team needs, not only for week one, but the entire regular season. Arizona Cardinals single game tickets are available now. Visit azcardinals.com slash tickets for more information. As we continue here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Geek, your ticket to great seats, the running back room, how many does this t- team keep, and just how many were on the practice field earlier on Tuesday. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: looking downfield. He's going to lob one down the near sideline. Eno Benjamin with a diving grab as he opened up the hip and made a nice stab in the air on a back shoulder grab for a first down under center, Trace McSorley, to give to Darrell Williams. He hammers into the end zone, and that'll be a Cardinals touchdown as they get the surge off the ball, and just walking into the end zone
3: is Daryl Williams for the first score of the game. That is too easy, but we will take it. That that was a heck of a push by the offensive line. Again, you have him on this roster for short yardage goal line situations. Darrell Williams, he rated among the best running
1: backs a season ago in short yardage and goal line situations. So, no hesitation by the Cardinals to check him in.
2: In fact, the only carry of the game for Darrell Williams was that one yard touchdown run. Paul Calvisi, Drew Stanton on the call Saturday from Tennessee. Cardinals lose that preseason game 26 23. Andrew Stanton joining us here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Siki, your ticket to great seats. The running back room. How many does this team finally? Next week, have on its roster. I can tell you this on Tuesday during the open portion of practice, all five running backs on the field. Jonathan Ward working by himself on the side, still dealing with that shoulder injury. But other than that, James Conner, Eno Benjamin, Darrell Williams, and the draft pick Keonta Ingram all out there. Five running backs for an offense and a head coach and a quarterback that typically like to throw the football. I don't know how this is all going to play itself out.
3: Yeah, and when you've got a clear lead dog, a bell cow of a running back, I mean, he got paid that way, he played that way. Uh, Where does everybody mix into that? You know, is Darrell Williams a short yardage guy? Because there's some craftiness to that. That's an asset of you feel really good about him being, you know, a backup that can go out there. He had over a thousand yards from the line of scrimmage. I think the thing that's silly interesting to me is who's your third down back right do, do you just keep James Conner out there the whole time uh, because that starts to take its toll for the long season of that. I mean, there's going to be veteran third down backs that maybe they say, oh, we don't feel comfortable with anybody in coverage, um, and they go out and get a guy like that, and then all of a sudden maybe one or two guys are on the outside looking at it. Who knows? I mean, again, this is a, a position that's fascinating and it's fluid um, because you can plug and play running backs, as long as you feel good in protection with some of these guys. But again, are you going to put your the fate and the health of your franchise quarterback in a rookie Keontae Ingram, he looked great in protection, but it, it takes one screw-up in there. This, you know Benjamin that's been well-documented. he struggled with protection. Is he going to be the third down back? Everybody thought they would just put him in for Chase Edmonds, plug and play him and feel good. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know those answers. We'll get those answers soon enough, but there's going to be veteran running backs out there that can have made a living on being a third down back that, you know, I don't know if that's a, a hot take like uh, <laughs> our, our own Paul Calvisi, uh, but that's something to, to, that would pique the interest of. And Jonathan Ward, again, his special team value is immense. And when he's healthy, is it a short-term IR type of thing, like you were talking about, Craig, that would allow them to sneak guys through there and then just push off having to make a decision, push off having to evaluate things, and maybe gives other guys at other positions the opportunity to go out there and make a name for themselves.
2: Daryl Williams is entering his fifth season, the previous four seasons with the Chiefs and what you mentioned last year, over a 1,000 scrimmage yards and set career highs in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, receptions, and receiving yards. So there is value there and head coach Cliff Kingsbury asked about Darrell Williams and it was someone that Cliff was familiar with who gave Williams a ringing endorsement
4: talking to Patrick about him, you know, when we were looking at him. And the thing he said was I loved having him out there because he always knew what to do. And he said he'd help me with the mic calls. I mean, that type of cerebral player. And and that's what we've seen. The ball always goes to the right place when he's carrying it. And protection-wise, he's outstanding and really good in the pass game, catching out of the backfield. So he's been a true pro, and I'm glad we have him.
2: And that Patrick would be Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback. So that answers perhaps the question, third down back, someone that's experienced and can protect the quarterback because I don't know exactly what Darrell Williams does special teams. So if you're going to be active on game day as a running back, that means not only on the football field, and that's all you do is play offense, then the role for someone else There is no role.
3: Yeah, you got to be a clear cut number two, and and when you have a guy, and speaking from experience, that's a running back. That when you ID the mic, you don't have to reiterate it. He already knows based when you break the huddle. You don't have to tell him that or what's going on. That is a huge asset in that room because those are you know young guys are growing. They're learning. They see everything. But when running backs can see coverage rotation when they can see his stuff and when you make points and you go up and relay it to the offensive line if they already know it just helps speed up the whole operation and it's a huge huge asset to have and if Daryl Williams can do that great and if you're the clear cut number two again because you're not playing teams then you will find carries you will find catches you will find ways to contribute to this team and it sounds like that's what they were hoping for. Look it's
2: a good problem to have here for the Cardinals as far as having too much talent in this room Kingsbury on that talent. And- and don't forget about the draft pick, Keontae Ingram.
4: Yeah, that's a deep room. There's going to be some tough discussions, but we, we've been really, really impressed with Key and Mike Jinks, who worked with me at Texas Tech, uh, was at USC last year and he, he was blowing me up on draft day. He's like, hey, this guy is the steal of the draft and you got to take him. And um, I'm glad we did because he's shown up and, and he's been a force every time he's touched the ball, or caught the ball and, and even the pass pro, he's really come a long way in
2: certainly seems possible that Ingram, if you're looking to continue to develop him and but do so on the practice squad, try to, hopefully, have him clear waivers. The question is, based off of his draft position being a sixth-round pick, I believe there were 18 other running backs drafted ahead of him, but what we saw Saturday... In the game situation, yes, against backups, but 16 carries for 91 yards and not so much the running between the tackles, but the patience that you saw him waiting for the blocks in front of him before he attacked the hole.
3: Yeah, I mean there's 31 other teams that saw that film too right everybody's trying to get better especially at this time and anybody that might be exposed to waivers they've got to go through that process so that would be a hard one for me to see let go just from the standpoint of what he showed and again yes it was against backups but you can take a lot away from that of just the skill set that he has uh, setting up blocks the ability to jump cut and again I was impressed by the way he picked up protections and being able to do all of those things so uh, I would imagine he graded out very highly uh, as he should have and had some nice runs showed some good bursts on the outside ran tough between the tackles everything that you're looking for in a sixth round value pick right there that you try to do that because 18 other guys were ahead of him. the league is on notice of that kid if he hits the waiver wire and i would do everything in my power to not let him go so uh, again it just makes you feel good about where they're at Unfortunately, there wasn't two or three guys that just clear-cut above everybody else to make it that much easier, Um, but these are young guys that, again, they're growing into that position, they're growing into that role, so you're almost spoon-feeding some of them to bring them along, and then when the time comes, a guy like Eno Benjamin, can he be that guy that, that fills that chase admin role for you or do it? You know, in tandem with the Williams.
2: But one thing I don't know about Ingram is how well he performs on special teams. When you get these skilled position players coming out of college, for Ingram it was first Texas and then USC. You're not asked to play special teams you're too valuable for those programs with the ball in your hand they don't want you on special teams now you come into the NFL You know Benjamin went through this did not play a lot of special teams at Arizona State comes here well how do you become active on game day you got to perform on special teams Eno was not active that entire first season so with Ingram yeah you like what he's able to do on offense but what has he given Jeff Rogers in that special teams room? And that's a question I don't have an answer to.
3: Yeah, but that's a differentiating feature. Uh, and I think that when you can do that, but you listen to Keontae Ingram talk, you hear what he brings to the table uh, as far as a mindset, and you know, hopefully he finds a way because he deserves a uniform on Sundays.
2: This time next week, when we all reconvene here, game week, week one, Kansas City Chiefs, we will know... Who are the 53 players that will make up the 2022 Arizona Cardinals? At least for that day. <laughs> Spoken like a former player.
3: I don't want a revolving door. Okay. Well, after Week One, after, after oh, that's right. That's when, when the feel-
2: contracts become guaranteed that's and non-guaranteed. For yeah. okay.
3: now well, we got. That. All
2: right. That's why we have Drew Stanton here. Special thanks to our senior broadcast manager and producer Jim Almahundro, technical technical director Zach Larson, for Drew Stanton. I'm Craig Rio. We will talk to you in one week's time. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Get your tickets to your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.